0: All bad things. Tragedies. Tragedies,
1: disasters. That's bad things.
0: Trigger warning for everything possible. What? (laughs) I'm Rachel. And I'm David is all bad things
1: welcome everybody welcome
0: <laughs> follow us on Insta, twitter facebook tiktok and twitch at all bad things potty and we'll all bad things potty at gmail.com join our facebook discussion group and our discord
1: do all of those things
0: hey we managed and, to say all that and
1: do them a lot <laughs> every day we uh we i certainly have noticed uh, in the past couple of months at least mm-hmm. we are getting more and more uh discussion group mm-hmm. followers and we are it seems like we're getting one or a couple every day Oh, have you been? Well, the, I get the notices you get, that okay, so you that people people have you people too. I right. don't because oh, okay. Facebook at work is so weak. Oh, I don't gotcha. want to hit like accept and have it not go through. So I just leave all that stuff okay. To you. All right, but I'll gotcha. I'll get the notifications that mm-hmm. somebody's joined the group. Yeah. I, I get them every day seemingly.
0: Mm. Yep, good group. Yes, <laughs> very good group. Um, what you in?
1: I had a feeling you would ask that. <laughs> I'm drinking the finest national local beer on mm-hmm. the market.
0: Mm-hmm. And I am drinking a, oh, I thought it was a Blue Sky, a Light Sky oh. by Blue Moon, there Citrus wheat.
1: A Blue Sky by Blue Moon. That's a little too <laughs> odd the nose. A,
0: a, a Blue Sky by Light Moon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it, what is our ABV we're working with here? It's
1: like 4.5%, I think. Oh, that's, like that. that's not bad. It's no. a little lighter, huh? That is called a light sky.
0: Oh, after all. Indeed. Um, yeah,
1: so you'll need a couple of them.
0: Which, <laughs> we, which we will
1: have by, yeah. uh, by part two.
0: That's right. So we're going to be recording our two parter in one swell. One hoop. sitting.
1: Mm-hmm. Which exactly. we have not done for a long time. We have not recorded. We've plenty of times we have recorded two episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One sitting, mm-hmm. but we haven't done it in a while.
0: That's true. It's just that now that it's summer, band season is picking up. So this coming week, I've got like a band thing all nights, but two Yeah. and no time on the weekend. So yeah, I'm going to be recording ahead of time. Then we'll have to do it again the next, <laughs> next week, I think. But thankfully mm-hmm. we have many loyal script writers yes, we do. <laughs> amongst our listenership who have bailed us out countless times. Time and time again. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and today and next week <laughs> as well, we have a script courtesy of our uh, very faithful script writer, Nicole.
1: Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Nicole, who also started a fun Twitter account. I think it's at abt outlasts
1: Oh, I don't think I've seen that.
0: I think I showed it to you. It's like the uh, things that all bad things has outlasted.
1: Oh, okay. And in duration you, you, we You yeah. told me some of the That's right.
0: In duration we have outlasted the Confederacy.
1: Yes, we have. <laughs> by uh, by like over a year. The con- mm-hmm. it's so weird. The Civil mm-hmm. War was almost exactly 4 years. Or
0: Yeah, that's funny. I I kind of thought it was yeah. longer for no. some
1: it was like a okay, like it was a week apart from being really four, almost exactly four solid years. Was
0: it just shy for you? Just or just over. Oh, okay, it was just shy. Okay,
1: and then Lincoln got assassinated like just after he got won his second term, like only oh, a couple really? of days later, which I didn't realize until uh, you know a couple of years ago.
0: What he wait? So was he the sitting president <laughs> at the time the Civil War began?
1: Yes, he was. Okay, and when it ended, and he won re-election, and got assassinated.
0: Okay, but that, how did that happen in that time span? If it was four years, had he just been elected? Yes. Was okay. Yes.
1: Because he like the war the
0: Emancipation was... Proclamation or something? Well, that didn't
1: happen until two years in. Oh, okay. But.
0: I'm not very good with my Civil War the, history.
1: Uh, the fever for, like, a war happening between the North and South was, it was kind of going to happen no matter who the president was. Gotcha. You know.
0: He so. just happened to be the one elected.
1: Yeah, because it, uh, yeah, well, that's going down a much longer history road.
0: Oh, okay. But,
1: I mean, what a fascinating period of history. And uh, we just went through a very strange uh, period of political history ourselves. What do you
0: mean went through? <laughs> We're going, going through. through. <laughs> well, we
1: survived one blow. Um, not so sure we could survive another.
0: You mean the attempted coup?
1: Yep, that's what I mean. Okay. That's never happened before. It really... is. Not on the
0: Capitol. Nope. There was that period. Wilmington coup, right? That's...
1: That's local, though. Or state. It That was a state. Class. We're talking about the, the presidency the, has yes. never been, there's never been a coup d'etat against the president. <laughs> it's just, that's never happened before. Yeah. Against the elected president. Yes, rather. right. I was going to say. Not the sitting president. I was going
0: to say, yeah. hmm
1: So, but that's generally when coup d'etats happen, when somebody loses a vote and they're like, I didn't lose Transitions. that. Transitions. I didn't lose that vote. And
0: right. then
1: uh, violence becomes like, oh, we can do that. hmm So, Yeah.
0: Or just whenever the United States gets involved in another. <laughs> we're good at...
1: Anywhere. We're like, good
0: at starting coups. <laughs> there was
1: that, uh... This, uh, like, Air Force captain or somebody was being interviewed by, like, a... Like, a minor outlet about they discovered all this stuff in, uh, Columbia, like these minerals. And they're oh. talking about, oh, they have this and 60% of the world's that and this. Uh-huh. And, like, and, like, she couldn't contain, like, the fact that... The glee. That, oh, we're gonna plunder that part of the Earth, too. Yeah. Like was...
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we're and good then, at that. We're and then, very good at that.
1: Then somebody put up like a, a GIF of fastest things in the world. Um, it was like a plane, this, uh-huh. a cheetah, and uh, these countries when natural resources are discovered somewhere else <laughs> yes. in the world. And it was the US, the UK, and France.
0: Ah. Uh. <laughs> Yes, indeed. It's like,
1: oh yeah, we're on that.
0: We're we're <laughs> we're, we're on it. Of, we're part of the colonizing yeah. trifecta. Like, <laughs> matter of
1: fact, we wrote we wrote the playbook for this exact situation mm-hmm. like thirty years ago. We just got to dust it off, and we have more fun toys now, so it'll be even easier.
0: Well, as we <laughs> learned, we are spending twenty five billion dollars on just new aircraft alone
1: Which for the me, military. To me, it still does not sound like a whole lot, but.
0: Well consider that the IRS is only funded with twelve billion.
1: That is true.
0: <laughs> that is also not a lot. That's not. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway.
1: to, to track down money. The the organization that is tasked with To
0: enforce <laughs>
1: yeah. collect
0: and collect yeah. the money required yes. of citizenship, residency, and working within the country. That's correct. We don't budget. No no no, I'm uh, saying I but, mean the IRS doesn't budget.
1: Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying, like, overall budgets for other, because if you're not bringing in the money, the extra money. Oh, doesn't... I got to
0: No, we're the, that's why we're called the internal, or why they're called, <laughs> I know, the Internal Revenue Service. Hence, yeah. revenue. Internal to the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not the External Revenue Service. Yeah,
1: that's the military. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's a I mean, CIA. It really, it really is. No, the CIA is also <laughs> internal. Internal, so they're mm-hmm. both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so I mentioned a script, I believe. <laughs>
1: political, political rant. Trigger Hashtag. warning. Oh, too late. Two minutes too late.
0: No, we always give the blanket trigger warning at yeah, the beginning. That is true. So.
1: You know what you're getting into.
0: All right, so um, since, since we have a Nicole script, where do you think we may be traveling to today?
1: I'm guessing the upper Midwest.
0: Oh, that is a great guess. Doesn't
1: she live in Michigan?
0: Or did? Or is from there? Something like that. You can you can correct us, Nicole. But um,
1: I think she lives in yeah. I think she lives in Michigan.
0: But also, where do a lot of Nicole scripts take place?
1: I mean, we've had so many. I, I'm guessing they. Ought, this is another one on the Great Lakes.
0: Okay, that's a, that's a good guess. But yeah. let me go into think. her preface. Yep, it's me, Nicole, with another Alaska script. Oh, Remember, okay, Nicole that's really right. Yes. I'm sure everyone is positively shocked. I feel my contributions to this podcast have either made someone want to visit Alaska or made someone think, if I ever hear another word about Alaska in my life, it will be too soon. Although, depending on the order my scripts are used, there may already be some Great Lakes disasters peppered in there among my contributions. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Truthfully, for the longest time, I didn't want to write this. I was secretly hoping someone else would come up with it since it's a relatively well-known story with at least two movies made. Hmm. Okay. The story is very info-heavy, and there's a lot of different perspectives that could be highlighted, and the thought of writing it seemed impossibly daunting to me. It is a long script, and thank you, Nicole, because we're getting two episodes out of it yes, thank <laughs> when you we much. need it. <laughs> it's a good two-parter. Um, as I said in my Wilcox Expedition script, I'm sure I have left information out here that others may have included. And I may have included information others may have left out. There is a lot of information out there if any, if at the end anyone wants to learn more. But here we go. This is the story of the 1925 diphtheria epidem- epidemic in Nome, Alaska.
1: Okay, two movies. I've never heard of this.
0: The only movie I can think of, and I don't even think... Did it, was it in Alaska? It may have been around the Iditarod, was Iron Will, with Kevin Spacey and Mackenzie Astin.
1: Uh, I really yeah, liked I've, that I've... movie as a kid. <laughs> Too bad Kevin Spacey was in it. <laughs> but <Yes>. anyway, all, <laughs> I could, all I could think of is how brutal 1925 Alaska must have been. Yeah,
0: no It wasn't a state.
1: It was not, that's yeah. true. It was still a territory. That's
0: right. Uh, the, oh, here we go. The general public may not know the story by that name, but usually one single word will make the light bulb go off. Balto, which I have heard of. It was a Disney. No it idea. was a. It would have been well past your time of Disney movie watching. I think Balto? it was. Yeah. It might be Balto, but it looks like Balto. I okay. would pronounce
1: B-A-L-T-O. it Bal- B-A-L-T-O. Yes. Uh huh. Balto. They yeah.
0: they made a an animated film Balto! about this dog.
1: <laughs> There's a song by Corn called Balto. Oh, okay.
0: Baldung! <laughs> um but I think it was like mid late '90s or something. So I had slightly yeah, aged I, out of Disney.
1: I really never ever watched Disney. Yeah, you, really were, did. you were
0: too old for those. Well, things, I mean, when maybe I was a Little Mermaid or something. Well, when
1: I was a little kid, Disney wasn't really all that popular. Uh, movies wise or shows No, they wise. had their
0: golden age in the nineties. Yeah, and
1: yeah. then by the time they yeah had the resurgence, I was mm. already like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, and not interested. And it would
0: have been really weird for you to be watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, if you had like younger brothers or sisters, yes, I'm but sure you, you saw were the it youngest. I was yeah. the youngest, so mm-hmm. I was I wasn't gonna go see that. Well, we I was going the- to watch Pulp Fiction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we watched The Lion King together, which you had never I'd never seen, seen it. Um which somebody pointed out is basically like a retelling of Hamlet, which is really interesting. I didn't I, I don't know that. Hamlet enough. I, I didn't read that one. <laughs> I know uh, I Last read... Poor York I knew him well or something like that with the, the is that skull. Hamlet? That is I don't... that is Hamlet. I read I also know uh, three different Shakespeare. To be. We've covered this. Yeah. Something like
1: that. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> Whatever. Sure. But that's that's not one of them.
0: No. So I'm pretty sure Lion King and Pulp Fiction came out the same year. They did,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I was watching The Lion King, you were watching Pulp was Fiction. Button. Yep okay well buckle your seat belts motherfuckers <laughs> because a large part of this the Bal- balto is the famous serum run and today those of you who don't already know who the real hero of the story is are going to learn some shit i don't know the story
1: at all Yeah, I'm...
0: my sources include sports illustrated com, the oh, cdc okay. Wikipedia, akc.org, historytoday.com, an interview with Libby Riddles through the Melrose Center in Orlando, historyofvaccines.org, and books, uh, The Cruelest Miles, The Heroic Story of Dogs and Men in a Race Against an Epidemic, that sounds like it's going to be good, by Gay and Lainey Salisbury, as well as Race Across Alaska, First Woman to Win the Iditarod Tells Her Story, oh, spoiler alert, by Libby Riddles and Tim Jones. If this winds up needing to be a two-parter, indeed, I think there's a natural stopping point in this script. As I'll give background and the onset of the epidemic, and then move on to the serum run and its aftermath. I will make a note and bold as to when I think the best spot stop spot to stop is. Though of course, Rachel, use your own discretion. That is exactly where we're stopping, Nicole, and Sounds I'm going to be good. handing off the script to you at yes. that point. So, <laughs> to give an idea of just how big the state of Alaska is, it That's is big...
1: fucking gigantic. It's like w- the size of like the rest of the United States. Well, let's hear. I will yeah. give
0: the approximate distances between Nome, which I misspelled. I had texted or um, messaged Nicole earlier, and I spelled it G-N-O-M-E, but it's just N-O-M-E, Nome. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Uh, and the locations of the other Alaska disasters I've written about for this podcast, Nome is approximately 400 miles, or about 640 kilometers, from Denali National Park, which we've been to before in the scripts, about 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers from the wreck of the Princess Sophia and about 1,300 miles or 2,100 kilometers from Ketchikan and the Misty Fjords National Monument. 1,300 in miles in is one halfway territory. across the U.S. It's all in one territory. The, the yeah. continental, the lower 48.
1: Yeah, that's stupid. Jeez. that's Yeah. As they say... There in, are countries... On, you could clump together, like, probably 80 countries mm-hmm. on Earth... And not come like come up with that. It's like bigger than
0: Europe or something, yeah. you know. As they say on shirts hanging in Ketchikan gift shops, and presumably, ev- el- presumably elsewhere, quote, "Everything's bigger in Texas until you get to Alaska." No yeah, shit,
1: right?
0: <laughs> All right. So, a very brief history of gnome. No, really, this is brief. Source, dude, trust me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, somebody came upon it, put a flag there, and somehow survived, and it became a town. Like that's my. And they guess. were the mayor because that's my, they survived. Yes, that's my guess. <laughs> well, let's see.
0: So Nome, Alaska, is a city located on the south. Oh my goodness, I am struggling, 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 reading today. Located on the southern Seward Peninsula near Norton Sound, an inlet of the Bering Sea, which is about 150 miles long and 125 miles wide, or 240 by 200 kilometers. Nome was incorporated in April 1901, although the Inupiat, maybe, N- I-N-U-P-I-A-T. In- oh,
1: I don't know that one. Okay.
0: It's not Inuit. No, it's, it's not. Inupiat. I hope that's correct, but anyway. Have been there since prehistoric times. The Inupiat name for Gnome is Nasuak, and your guess is as good as mine on the pronunciation. Okay, hopefully that was close. As the city's official name is Nome, and the city is a well-known one, as it is the finish line of the Iditarod sled dog race, this script will call it Nome. Do you have you heard of the Iditarod? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. that's the, I. It's, I actually, it's the
1: it's the only dog sled race I've ever heard of. Right.
0: You know, I only I I knew there were dog sled races in Alaska. The only, the first time I heard the word Iditarod was in an right. episode of Top Chef. They had the chefs cooking outdoors, like it was really dumb why they did it, but They did have them go on dog sleds. I
1: mean, I grew up on ESPN, was one of the three channels I watched growing Mm. up. I watched ESPN, MTV, and HBO.
0: Uh That's
1: literally whatever I was watching was one of those three things.
0: It basically perfectly uh, encapsulates (laughs) all your interests. It kind (laughs) of does.
1: But yeah, every year they they would cover it. Yeah. So that's the only reason I knew what it was. But it's, yeah, it's one of three dog events I know. So you have the Iditarod, you have dog racing, and then you have the Westminster Dog Show. That is a huge yes, event.
0: It is a huge that event. That is the
1: Super Bowl of Dogs, pretty much.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So, how this city got this name is up for debate. Some say that Nome was founded by a Norwegian man, and, a, and there is a municipality called Nome in Norway. Although, other sources credit Swedish men for founding the city. <laughs> Just Nordic people. Whatever.
1: It, fits. it doesn't, nobody's going to question it. Right? Right. <laughs> like it could be like a duh. No, no, it was people from the Caribbean <laughs> yeah, who decided to settle yeah, they, in Alaska. They just wound up there and survived somehow with bananas <laughs> and uh, grass skirts.
0: <laughs> Another theory is that the first white people to reach the area asked the native people what the place was called and misunderstood them asking where <laughs> for the name. So like someone saying, where, where at or where in um, Unipiac is Nami. So, nom, nom, or nom, or something like that. So, and I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't speak Unipiak. <laughs> uh, you just say, nom, nom, yes. nom, It <laughs> <nom.
1: laughs> Sound like you're warming up or something. Right? Nom, nom, <laughs> nom, <laughs> nom. The, the, the arsonist earlier robbed a bank. Er, no. <laughs> the, arsonist, the arsonist has oddly shaped feet. That's from Anchorman, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the third theory is that a British officer, while on a voyage through the area, was unsure of the name of the nearby cape and wrote, name, question mark, on the nautical chart, which someone oh, later misread as Gnome. Nome. Yeah. As of the 2020 census, Nome was populated by 3,825 people. That's wild because it's, that's a, I Sounds have heard of this, right. this city and, or this town, and it's that small. Um, Of which 58.18% were Native American, 27.51% white, 1.97% black, 1.06% Asian, 0.34% Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. I wonder how those people ended up We we
1: were joking about that earlier. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, that means... If it's that small of a... Yeah, it's,
0: it's like 10 people. I was just going to say, if
1: it's that small of a percentage with that few it's people... It's like a family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, they're the ones.
0: And I bet everyone's like, so how'd you uh, end up in uh, Alaska from <laughs> Hawaii obviously, or the Pacific Island?
1: Obviously a shipwreck. That's the only... That's the only way. And ten Cruise quite, disaster. That'd, that'd
0: be the... <laughs> and 10.68% listed as being two or more races, with the remaining .26% filed under Other. Alaska is as remote as it is large. With less than 4,000 people, Nome is the 16th largest city oh in the state. God. Wow. Alaska's population doubled between 1890 and 1900 due to the gold rush, and at one point, Nome was the most populous city in the state. The federal government set up multiple military posts in Alaska, one of which was in Nome, and mining camps sprung up around it.
1: This, this county probably has more than 16 places with 4,000 people.
0: Oh, our county. Yes, yeah. just our county alone. <laughs> I think you're right.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it does.
0: Even, like, some of the um, some there, of the housing developments. There,
1: there is not but, a place, like, within, like, a 50-mile radius of here that doesn't have, like, 50,000-plus people living in it.
0: Even some of the dinky towns are <laughs> more yeah. than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So... I think I, right. I'm thinking of that, like 3,800 people. Oh, it's the 16th, and they probably have a sign, too. Yeah. We're the 16th <laughs> largest like city scene? in Alaska. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Meanwhile, the town I grew up in had like 13,000 people. We weren't even a city.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. And you were th- three times the size. Of yeah. That, more than three, three times the times
1: size.
0: Mail was delivered by dog team, which sure. resulted in the explosion of the demand for sled dogs in Nome. It took time and skill to create a successful sled team as each dog had to be chosen for a particular trait, such as speed, strength, intelligence, leadership ability, and even gait. Durability,
1: probably, too. Yeah,
0: as teams were most efficient when they matched. That's that's funny it actually sounds like. Intelligence, leadership ability. It sounds like on a performance. I mean, it is. Yeah.
1: Just with dogs.
0: Yeah. Dog teams were arranged in front of the sled in the following way: so closest to the sled were the largest and strongest dogs, sure. known as wheel dogs. Nope. Yep. Ahead of them were several pairs of swing dogs, and at the front was one or two lead dogs. That's interesting. I would have kind of thought that like the stronger ones would be at the front, but mm-hmm. no, they need to kind you of you need control. to be able to
1: you need you need to be able to push off too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maine, and then the, transfer that energy up front.
0: Yeah, that's true. That where, makes sense.
1: where the fastest ones are up front and they're not having to use as much energy because they're not really pulling anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. They're leading.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. At the turn of the 20th century, and no, most residents owned their own dog team. Sure. There were so many of them. That's, I mean,
1: that was probably just what <laughs> the, you needed to you, do to survive. Yeah. We need to go um, out in the woods and, and you know, cut uh, for the fire today. Right. I'm going to bring my wolf sheepdog, whatever, right. mm-hmm. husky, whatever mm-hmm. you got. So, yeah, it literally probably was just a matter of survival. like
0: Yes. Uh-huh. Had to have them. Yes. That's how you get around. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Cecilia on Svalbard and Island close yeah. to the North Pole. She's got her snowmobiles. That's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, at, uh, there were so many of them, that the dog teams. A law was passed requiring they all wear bells. Sure. In 1907, the Gnome Kennel Club was established, and with it, a 400-mile round-trip dog sled race. It was called the All-Alaska Sweepstakes, and the town, who got stir-crazy and depressed during their seven-month winter, were eager for something exciting to happen. You know, it is like 96 degrees here, and right now, a seven-month winter sounds fantastic. I'm angry. I don't know about
1: a seven-month winter, but like a four-week one? Yeah, it's like...
0: No, I would rather freeze for seven months than boil for three.
1: Yeah.
0: that's I, I just can't take the heat. So it's a good thing I lived in the South my whole life <laughs> or almost my whole life. Uh so this became an annual event which continued until World War I. NOme became a base for explorers heading farther no- north into the Arctic regions. The dog teams helping to establish Nome as a supply base. Roald Amundsen. I feel like we mentioned him in something, but anyway. I think it might the Amundsen um,
1: the the uh, trip to the that people that tried to discover the North Pole.
0: Yeah, because it says I, first to reach the South Pole and South, the first to reach the North yeah. Pole, undisputedly. Yes, yes. the the rep. Oh my God, we've done so many episodes; it's so hard to remember. I but I think it, you're right.
1: I thought it involved an airship wrecking too. But I, maybe that was so many oh episodes, who knows how many uh, episodes this is ago Q64. that was. Uh, that was probably at least 100 episodes, that was probably two plus years ago oh we goodness. did that one. I, who knows? Yeah, who who knows? knows? Our listeners do. They're, somebody out there is like, I know that. <laughs> yes,
0: it's number 154. Hey, God hey. bless. Yes. <laughs> so Roald Amundsen uh, also passed through Nome on his Arctic adventures. The native Inuit people's clothing became in high demand, and Inuit people would journey to Nome from their nearby villages every summer with fur parkas and boots. Their influence was widespread and respected, although, under federal law, native people were required to segregate in schools, churches, and in Nome's one movie theater. Go Mercas. <laughs> or Go Mercas territories, because yeah. that we colonized.
1: Yes. Yeah, Canada has its own.
0: Oh, of course. A- of course, I'm.
1: With- all of North America does.
0: Many cultures do. Ours is I mean, just...
1: Even Central America and Mexico. I mean...
0: That's not untrue. The thing is, we've just done it worse. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we've been really good at
0: it. <laughs> just been so bad. Yeah. So, by, yeah. by
1: being really good, I mean being like the most...
0: Exactly. Evil. So... Add it down to a science. <laughs> Note. Many sources for this story use the word Eskimo to describe these groups of people. Some native Alaskans in this region do use that word for themselves, mm-hmm. while others consider it extremely offensive due to the connotations that colonizers attach to the word. It appears that the word Inuit is commonly used today to speak collectively of the people native to this area. So as I am not qualified to say what is and is not offensive to a demographic that I am not part of... That is what the script will use. That's a good call. If anyone decides to read up on this more, you will probably see and hear Eskimo used frequently. I wanted to note this to clear up any confusion that might come about it if further research is done. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's fair. I have also heard that um, that the, that word is considered um, uh, offensive to many people, and that Inuit or, or a, a direct tribe mm-hmm. name Troubleman. is mm-hmm. much more respectful. After World War One, Nome quieted considerably. Many operations went out of business, all like a boom and bust town. Well,
1: sure. I mean, they're not a supply base anymore because yeah. the, the war's yep. over.
0: Yep. And thousands of people left, migrating south as the gold rush ended and industry left the area. Harkening back to my first script, many on board the Princess Sophia in 1918 were part of the general southern movement that occurred at this time in history. By 1925, Nome had a population of about 975 white and 455 native or interracial residents, and many buildings sat empty. So they had, like, 1,300 people or something. Mm -hmm. According to Salisbury's book, a first-time visitor in the early 1920s described Nome as looking, quote, like last year's bird's nest. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, that's quite an image.
0: Yeah. But by Alaskan standards, it was still a relatively busy town. Well, back in the... You know, 25. Hey,
1: they got all these buildings, plenty of space for the, you know, few amount of people that live there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was probably fun Absolutely. for
0: them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so now we reach diphtheria corner possibly oh the God. the worst of all the corners we've
1: had <laughs> i don't know exactly what this is Same. i just know i've heard of it
0: i've heard of diphtheria it in so- like oregon trail i context. just
1: think of it as like a blood disease okay I just...
0: I'm, I'm not i actually have no idea i i guess i would have thought diphtheria would be like cholera
1: yeah that could be too or something but actually it's probably that i don't know closer let's to see. that closer to that probably that. let's see
0: diphtheria is an infection spread from person to person through respiratory droplets though it can also be spread by a healthy person coming into contact with or open sores or ulcers that the infection causes
1: Just
0: uh, it's funny because this uh, so pertinent to now this sounds like a combination of um covid and monkeypox mm-hmm the respiratory droplets part from covid, COVID, COVID pox. and the open source from mm-hmm. monkeypox covid pox oh god don't <laughs> say that now we're going to get covid pox in the world monkeypox and right. covid are going to like morph
1: covid pox is already here ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> they've been hiding the truth about covid pox and he's going to sell
0: his it. colloidal silver or whatever you need
1: colloidal silver <laughs> Call his number.
0: And then as soon as they come up with a vaccine, he's going to say it's fake. Like, yeah, he it's fake. Don't, it. don't take
1: the vaccine. It's fake. Fake! Take the horse stuff. Yeah, ivermectin? Ivermectin. Oh, God.
0: We're, we're mocking Alex Jones, just in case anybody didn't. <laughs>
1: Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless.
0: So diphtheria mostly affects the respiratory tract and the skin. When the bacteria attaches to the lining of the respiratory system, it can cause sore throat, low-grade fever, generalized weakness, and swollen glands in the neck. I got, so, um, with my last COVID jab, Mm -hmm. I, at all four jabs, I got a swollen lymph node under the arm Mm. that it was injected in. That's apparently very normal. This time I also got swollen glands in my neck, which was on that side, which was interesting, but they've gone away and that was just a week ago. So, um, it used to be sometimes confused for tonsillitis. The bacteria make a toxin that kills the healthy tissue, and then rapidly, usually within three days, the dead tissue forms a thick, gray coating in the mm. throat and or the nose, which medical professionals refer to as pseudomembrane. This sounds disgusting Ugh. and horrible to go through. Yeah. This can thickly coat the throat, voice box, tonsils, and the nose, making it hard to swallow all oh, or sure. to breathe. and yeah,
1: if the... and if you can't do either of those things... no oh, yeah,
0: you're... It's... You Not could good. die easily, yeah. And if the toxin enters the bloodstream, can also attack the heart and kidneys. Uh, Eventually, the ulcers would thicken so much they'd create a tough, leathery membrane made up of dead ce- dead cells, skin, and blood clots. Uh, the membrane would ultimately move down the windpipe, and the afflicted would die of slow suffocation. Geez, oh my gosh. god!
1: And that's uh, all we have. <laughs> that's
0: part one. For,
1: for diphtheria <laughs> corner. <laughs> That sounds fucking off. That sounds torturous. That does sound it torturous. Is, That's It horrible. is torturous. It's not sound mm-hmm. torturous. It is torturous.
0: Most victims are children under uh, 10 years well, old. Well, sure,
1: because they're not uh, developed yet.
0: And they're small, mm-hmm. so their throats could get easily clogged. Smaller. Yeah, smaller, smaller everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 10% of people who receive treatment for diphtheria die. The mortality rate That's, is 50% without treatment. Like
1: That sounds about right. Yeah. It really does. Yeah.
0: In Alaska... This is not
1: something you want to have. No, no. Ever.
0: In Alaska in the early... I kind of didn't want to know what it was, just to know that it's possibly out there.
1: Thanks, Nicole.
0: Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) In Alaska in the early 20th century, the mortality rate among Native people who lacked natural immunity was nearly 100%. Jesus Christ. Prior to the early 20th century, there was nothing doctors could do for their patients but make them as comfortable as possible and pray. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers, <laughs> yeah
1: at that time, there wasn't much else,
0: yeah, it's understandable back then, <laughs> yeah, a hundred
1: years ago that's mm-hmm. yeah, makes more sense
0: in the nineteenth century, tracheotomy was used to trying to treat diphtheria patients, but this was often just as fatal as diphtheria itself, they're still bloodletting, so yeah. In the eighteen eighties, a doctor, a New York doctor named Joseph O'Dwyer developed small hollow tubes that could be inserted directly into the mouth and down to the windpipe, which reduced the mortality rate of laryngeal diphtheria from one hundred percent to seventy five percent. So, still high, hey, but it's saving 25%. That's a 25%. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's huge. A, that's a big improvement. Yes. So, I guess basically the idea is so. And the, by that
1: time, there were only four people left. So, he saved. <laughs> it saved
0: he class. literally saved
1: one person. He saved himself. Yes. <laughs>
0: but it, that makes sense because it could open the airway. Of course. So then you can, yeah. You know. In 1891, an antitoxin was invented, made from the serum of horses who had been naturally immunized, and it was first used systematically on humans in 1892. Dr. Curtis Welch and his wife, Lula Welch, arrived in Nome from a mining camp in 1919, the first time they'd had access to electricity in a dozen years, and to them, (laughs) Nome was bustling sure. (laughs) With all their 1,200 people.
1: They're like, like with all this electricity and shit. Mm -hmm. Like, look at this. Mm -hmm. Is that a light?
0: Is that a dog? (laughs) You invented dogs? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Is that a light bulb
0: over there? (laughs) Welch had been operating in a three-bed ward that was only 20 feet long and lit by kerosene. It sounds like a tinderbox. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Fucking, pretty much was.
0: If he was operating on someone and another patient was in the ward, he either turned to face the other way or he watched the operation of the the other patient, (laughs) according to Welch's memoir.
1: (laughs) Hey, hey, I'm be
0: operating over here. On this guy. If you want to see it, you turn this way. If you don't want to see it, you turn the other way. There you go.
1: He's like, I'm out of. Something that hasn't even been invented yet, right. but, I'm, but I'm out of it. <laughs> I don't have any. So if you're interested in what a shoulder being ripped apart looks like,
0: you want to you want to assist me. You want to be my yeah, assistant here, sewing it back up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to him and Lula, Nome felt luxurious with a weekly newspaper, a bakery, two restaurants, and a library. Nome was operating like a well-oiled machine with residents knowing exactly how much supplies to order from the ships that came during the one or two months that the sea was broken up, knew how to reach the doctor, knew how to protect against blizzards, and knew how to get to water. There you go. An eight-foot electric...
1: pretty good good traits.
0: An eight-foot electric cross was erected above the church to provide a beacon for the lost. Sure. As prior to electricity, people would wander out into the tundra right. and freeze to death. Why you would know, you wander?
1: <laughs> I've been through a blackout once in my life in uh, 2003. An like, electricity that's actually, blackout? That's actually one we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it only it, on it only yeah. hit like the northeast and just certain parts of it. So not mm-hmm. the whole country didn't have to deal with it. Right. But I was one of those people that did. And holy shit. Like when everything is out.
0: No, light... Ball. you no, have light posts. you no have
1: no, exactly nothing no yeah. street lights yeah. nothing um There's it's, stars it, not that night it was cloudy that oh, night oh okay you fucking couldn't see more than like 5 or 6 feet ahead That's of you wild. it's fucking dark yeah
0: i remember um during it was either katrina or wilma it might have been wilma wilma was worst for us that year um 05 Around Halloween her came yeah, home and came right. through Miami. Because
1: Katrina made obviously for good reason, but Wilma was almost just not almost no, as no, deadly. No. But
0: it, it was worse for Miami mm-hmm. than Katrina was. Katrina was a nuisance. Wilma put some people's power out for weeks. Sure. And this was in 5 five. We're not talking years and years no. and years ago, just seventeen years ago. Oh Jeez. How the
1: fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. Math sucks. I just
0: realized that it does. Um but my my sister and I and a friend of ours drove eh, a few miles. It wasn't even far, like, three miles um, to hang out with some friends. Like, I think they had a, like, you know, a little grill or something mm-hmm. so they could cook. A propane grill or something because everybody had, had lost their power. And we hung out for a while. Later that night, we drove home that night mm-hmm. with no power yeah so it was dark driving the streets of miami yeah. in pitch black was a dangerous dangerous thing and i was the one who drove yes yeah, it was very
1: the one nerve-wracking like i don't remember if it was going into a weekend or coming off of one or not but i kind of remember that either nobody was going to work the next day because uh. it was a blackout or it was like a friday night and nobody mm. had something like that but like the house i was living with you know We were friends with all of our neighbors. And, uh, like, so we just stayed up on the porch all night, like, played music and smoked weed, smoked cigarettes, drank beers. Because everybody, like, on their way home, as soon as everybody... Again, this is the early days, and, like, now everybody has a cell phone in Mm -hmm. 03. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, power's out. Like, get to the store.
0: Right.
1: Get beer, get, you know, So the stores had Stores did not have power, but they could take cash. Oh, okay. And what people would do is be like here's a 20 for this $15 worth of shit. Like, it doesn't matter.
0: And the store would be fine with yeah. that, yeah. It's like,
1: we... we... <laughs>
0: like, we'll figure out the inventory issue later. <laughs>
1: yeah. Here's cash.
0: Yeah. What time of year was it?
1: Uh, It was, I want to say, it was either July or August. Oh, okay. It was in the summer. Okay, gotcha. But thankfully it was in, you know, western New York where it wasn't stupid hot.
0: Why did it go out?
1: It had something to do with, like, a power outage and, like, a... Two separate power outages, like, in New York and Ohio, like, simultaneously. Like, something the big like, providers or something. something. like that. Oh, okay. I don't remember exactly what it was. Gotcha. But I remember by, like, 10 o'clock, probably the next morning, it was back on. So, we're talking Okay, about so it's, like, an overnight. T- pretty much. We're talking about, like, it went out around, like, 4 or 5 o'clock okay. the day before. Uh-huh. So, yeah, like, 18 hours. Oh, that's there. nothing. No.
0: That's nothing. That's nothing. Um, But it was
1: just... Especially
0: when it's not cold.
1: I will just always remember just how fucking dark it was. Yeah. That you couldn't see... Like, you can. We had a huge wraparound front porch, almost Mm -hmm. like a southern style. Uh Uh-huh. But it was just one half of the porch. You could not see beyond the porch at all. Yeah. You couldn't. Like, it was all just black.
0: The issue in Miami during hurricane season about... Can you grab me mine? Yes. Uh, About... Losing power, like during hurricanes, was the um, the fact that you lost your AC. Oh shit! Sure. And it would get muggy as fuck mm-hmm. and be very uncomfortable. Because the rest you can deal with. It's just that it's uncomfortable. I think
1: it was muggy that night too, but Damn. it's it's Rochester in the summer, and nobody had air conditioning anyway, mm-hmm. really. So mm-hmm. you just kind of you, know, you kind of dealt with muggy summers. You just had a fan.
0: See, this is the type of uh, banter that our our listeners really love. Actually, the people who like us do like this stuff because they say it makes them feel like they're just having a chat with friends. And the answer is yes. This is how we talk normally. (laughs) All right. So volunteers kept trails maintained. Shopkeepers kept stoves operating in case someone passing through needed warmth. And Dr. Welch treated patients regardless of their ability to pay. Of course. This sounds like a very nice little place.
1: Well, that I would never uh, want to be, but still. Exactly. And it's a part of Earth where you have no choice but to take care of each other.
0: Right. Because it's either that or you're basically or you're contributing dead. to someone's death. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They enjoyed their lives due to their successful adaptation to the environment and isolation. Yeah. But as the world learned again in, As the world learned again in 2020, isolated communities were often the most vulnerable if disaster reached their doors. Sure. In 1924, Welch ordered a fresh supply of diphtheria antitoxin as a precaution as it was his was about to expire. It did not arrive on the supply ship. Mm. So he was being proactive, but it there was happen. some version yeah. of miscommunication or something. So now we're in Nome, Alaska, January 1925. I'm sure it's beautiful weather. Yes, gorgeous. <laughs> the first alarming illness was that of Margaret Salvi edie on christmas eve of 1924 she was a seven-year-old inuit norwegian girl who had a low-grade fever and a sore throat i fucking hate like every the symptom for every terrible thing is a fever sore throat (laughs) for every mild thing fever sore throat (laughs) it's just how it goes yeah so you may have a cold you may have diphtheria who knows
1: you may be dying (laughs) That's why you don't go to WebMD. <laughs>
0: yes, they will tell don't you, know. They will
1: tell you you're Better not to Whatever you put in there.
0: Her mother, an Inuit woman, was distrustful of white doctors and wouldn't allow Welch to examine her, just give verbal advice. Her father had, quote, gone outside, end quote, which was the term for leaving the area on a business trip. Welch told her to stay in bed and rest and tentatively, without examination, diagnosed her with tonsillitis. Yeah, if she can't, or if, if he can't examine her and... As Nicole said, diphtheria looks like tonsillitis in a lot of cases. So, yeah. Edie died on December 28th, and her mother refused Welch's request for an autopsy. She probably was also like, you said this was just tonsillitis. Mm -hmm. Welch was concerned because while tonsillitis does sometimes cause death, it is very rare, and he was no longer confident that that was what afflicted the child. By early January, Welch had received word that two more Native children living outside of town had died. On January 20th, Welch paid a follow-up visit to three-year-old Billy Barnett, who, had, who he had examined the week prior, to a sore throat, swollen glands, and fever. This time, Welch's concern jumped to alarm. Billy now had thick, gray lesions in his throat and nasal cavity. This was the infection often referred to as the stranger diphtheria. Mm-hmm. The only cure for diphtheria was the serum, or antitoxin, of which Welch had a limited, expired supply. As this antitoxin becomes unstable over time, as well as less effective, Welch decided not to give it to Billy, instead treating him with stimulants to strengthen his heart and swabbing the child's throat with chloride of iron, which would break up the lesions and give Billy's immune system a fighting chance. Welch's fears about administering the antitoxin to Billy were probably unfounded based on the knowledge we have today, but with its lessened strength, it likely would not have helped, even if he had. Welch's treatment did seem to help Billy for a time, but he died the following Tuesday. Mm. Welch hadn't treated diphtheria in years and had little direct experience with it. Well, yeah, if the antitoxin's been around for a while. Being the only doctor in such a remote area with a limited supply of expired antitoxin had to have been an overwhelming amount of pressure and stress. He lived in a time when asymptomatic carriers were a relatively new concept. Mary Mallon, or Typhoid Mary, had entered her first quarantine less than 20 years before and was still alive in 1925. Really? Yeah, that's a that's definitely... Typhoid Mary yeah, is I, one we're going to have to cover at some I've point. I've definitely
1: heard of that one. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it's about, but I've heard of it.
0: I, I think an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was still believed by, men, by many that the mysterious plague of the throat was, quote, one of the woeful effects of original sin, <laughs> quote. Okay.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> I won't Just even go me, on that. Me, 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 me,
0: me, 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 me. Even with a fresh supply of antitoxin, diphtheria was still wildly contagious with the ability to survive for weeks on surfaces. Ooh.
1: Yeah. God, that's... And just torture the whole fucking time, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Alaska native people had little, if any, natural resistance, and the natives around Nome had barely survived the 1918 flu pandemic, Mm. despite Nome only catching the tail end. Native Alaskans had what Salisbury described as, quote, a well-grounded and paralyzing fear of disease, end quote, and believed that the spirit of death would surround family members if someone died in their home. Death often caused families to panic and run from their homes, migrating elsewhere, which contributed unknowingly to spread. That makes sense. On January 21st, Welch was called to the sand spit, a strip of beach at the mouth of the river on the edge of town where many Inuit and Yupik people lived, to examine Bessie Stanley, a seven-year-old who lived in an igloo and was suffering from fever and sore throat. Welch was permitted to examine her, and upon opening her mouth, instantly knew she had diphtheria. Mm. The inside of her mouth was entirely gray membrane, which bled profusely when Welch touched it. Oh, God. Bessie was dead by the evening. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. Welch returned to his home and broke down in front of his wife. After telling her what was going on, he told the mayor to gather the town council, and Welch informed them that while he couldn't say for sure what the source of the infection had been, it was clearly present, and they had an mm-hmm. epidemic on their hands. The only way to treat diphtheria was the serum, and he only had expired serum, and then only enough for six people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The way... Or sorry, the supply ship had not brought the 80,000 units that Welch had ordered that year. And now, in order to stop the epidemic, he would need around 1 million units at least. A telegram was sent to Juneau, Alaska and Washington, D.C. It read, An epidemic of diphtheria is almost inevitable here. Stop. I am in urgent need of 1 million units of diphtheria antitoxin. Stop. Mail is the only form of transportation. Stop. I have made application to Commissioner of Health of the Territories for antitoxin already. Stop. Nome immediately started quarantine. Social gatherings were disrupted or canceled. Uh, I guess social gatherings in January. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, but I not think, indoors. I sure. think it's
1: always a social gathering there. Probably like for cooking, keeping warm, you know, it's stuff like that. Just not going a little but,
0: off because but, but of... But here's the flat. thing.
1: They've got all this... Isolation. They've got all the space. So it's easy to quarantine. Now yeah,
0: presumably if there's not, not a lot of density in the Now you know. that somebody's
1: calling for it. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Those who had cabins out on the tundra set out for them and were ordered not to return until Welch personally informed them they could do so. Sure. Families were urged to make sure that their children had hands and face had hands and faces washed multiple times a day with soap, and red signs were put on the doors of the sick that said, quarantine, keep out. Nurse Emily Morgan, an employee of Welch, had worked with the the Red Cross in France during World War I, and as both a trusted individual of the Native people as well as a survivor of diphtheria herself, she proved to be indispensable, tempting the children with kind words and candy to consent to said examination. By the end of the month, there were 20 confirmed cases of the infection and at least 50 people that were currently healthy but deemed at risk. That's that's a large portion of the population there. Yeah. While the country was working hard at locating fresh antitoxin, the biggest question was how it would get to Nome once located. Yeah, I was
1: I was wondering. I mean, we're not talking. I mean, we're not talking like the mid eighteen hundreds here. Nineteen twenty five. No. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of technology that translates to modern day. There there really is.
0: Right. It's past the industrial revolution. Yes. And we're like oh, we're
1: in the. the The Industrial Revolution at this point is about 75 years old. Right. Like, we've been in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Just went through a world world war. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't know we were going to get another one Mm -hmm. pretty soon. Uh, You know, people know how to make jeans. All these...
0: (laughs) Yeah. All
1: these people are wearing furs, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, where they live. They Mm -hmm. have to be. You know, people know how to insulate their homes. Like, it's not, you
0: know... No, we're not talking pioneer days or something. But there are rough conditions that Compared to now. Well... And and in Alaska, compared to other places, yes, more temperate that too. climates, yes. So yeah. But I
1: think this is just a group of people that survival is just something they have to do on a daily basis, right?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So they're
1: just used to it. They're like, okay, yeah. we have to quarantine to not get sick. Okay, let's yeah. do
0: that. Yeah, they're so, it's sort of used to doing what is needed. Yes. Yeah. Hardy. Yeah. People. There,
1: I don't yeah. think I don't think there's an Alex Jones in that group. I, I thank I, fucking God.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The Bering Sea was icebound, this Uh, is the winter, Mm -hmm. so no ship could be sent from Seattle. While airplanes would become essential to life in Alaska in the decades to come, they were still relatively new theory at the time. Mm -hmm. And contemporary aircraft was not suited to flight Mm, in the winter. Fuck no. There was also no time to wait for safe air conditions to occur at the same time as Fairbanks and Nome's seven hours... Of daylight oh so, sorry occur at the same time as Fairbanks and Gnome, seven hours of daylight there are several chapters in the cruelest miles dedicated or otherwise featuring the possibility of delivering the serum by air but as my Ketchikan script covered a lot in terms of the importance of planes in the state considering the serum did not ultimately arrive by plane and considering how long the script is even glossing over this part I am NOT going to get into much of it here But the book is a good source if anyone wants to read up on this aspect of the story. Usually at this time of year, Nome got any needed supplies via Seward, which was shipped by railroad 420 miles to Nenana, and then it was a 25-day journey on land via mail team over the remaining 674 miles to Nome. That was not fast enough.
1: hell, I mean... That's like over a
0: month. That left dog sled.
1: mm Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I have a feeling that's where yeah the the dogs are gonna come that's into play. That's part two. Yeah, yep.
0: if a dog team left Nanana with the serum and another team left Nome at the same time, they would meet halfway at Nulato. Welch estimated that the serum could survive about six days in the harsh conditions. Hey, at least it's harsh cool okay. instead of harsh heat. And you have a,
1: and you have a timetable to deal with.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Mark Summers, superintendent of the local mining camp, suggested the dog sud solution and also proposed who should run the western portion of the trail. Norwegian Leonhard Sapala, the gold company's main dog driver, who is known as the fastest musher in Alaska and the king of the trail. I loved it. I'm the fastest musher.
1: And the king of the trail.
0: I am a musherfucker. <laughs> Get it? Yes, I do. <laughs> he was nearly undefeated in dog <laughs> dog races <laughs> and had broken nearly every long distance record. His lead dog Togo has been troublesome and had been troublesome and mischievous as a puppy and had initially been discounted as a possible sled dog. Dogs without the potential to be sled dogs were and are to this day often given away as pets. Sure. And when Sapola gave Togo away as a pup, the dog had broken out of his new owner's home and run back to Sapola. That's cute. Have you heard of this? So I only just heard of it on TikTok. Um, a vet apparently, like... Put out this TikTok about like, here's a way you can tell if a kitten or a puppy is going to be well behaved when they grow up. I don't know. It's called the dangle test. Okay. Like you do with Jesse sometimes when mm-hmm. you pick him up by his little armpits mm-hmm. and then like slam a little <clears throat> back and forth. If yep. a kitten will, or a puppy will let you do that, the idea is they're going to grow up to be good cats or dogs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's very telling that we can do that with Jesse. Can we cannot I do it with Demetrius. Demetrius. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Plus his back legs, he's able to lift his back legs higher than any cat I've ever yes. seen, ever owned.
0: Yes. He's very flexible. and He has very yes. long legs yes. too, so that helps
1: him. So he, when when you start to do that to him, he'll lift his back leg mm-hmm. to try to scratch you a little mm-hmm. bit to to let him go. W-
0: scratch your hands because yes. he's lifting his feet up that high. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to show that in a video how yes. high he can get his leg up. <laughs>
0: Ah, so, okay, finding my place. All right, so the dog came back to him, yeah. Sure. So Togo broke free again and found Sapala... Oh, okay, sorry, uh... Wait, where did I...
1: He broke free again. He broke... He broke...
0: Run back. Oh, and Leonhard, tro- Leonhard tied the dog outside his home when he took his teens out. Okay, so he kept the dog, but like, okay, you didn't, stay home. Didn't
1: keep him with the teen.
0: Yep. Togo broke free again and found Sepala on the trail, forcing him to harness the dog in order to get him home. Sure. So he's like, he's like I'm, he's like, I'm doing this regardless. Like, I'm going to be a sled dog whether you want me to be or not. Oh. Uh-huh. Toko had almost immediately transformed into a hard-working, eager participant, and once Zappala realized the dog just needed a stimulating job, Toko had become the best lead dog Zapala had ever had. The health board in Nome unanimously approved Summer's plan, and he visited Zapala to let him know he needed to prepare for, quote, the run of his life.
1: Like, imagine if we needed Jesse and Demetrius to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't. No, thank God. Mm-hmm. But that's what—that's mm-hmm. what these people. That's that is the to
0: save people's lives. Well, yeah. just
1: to live overall, yeah. They depend on these oh, animals. yes, yeah, so
0: you're right. For for a lot of important yes. things, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. for
1: pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and the animals depend on them for certain things too. So, right. mm-hmm. You know, it could never be that way with cats. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, I was gonna say, well, if we did, we would treat them like little kings but we kind of we already do down. that
1: anyway <laughs> so if they ever take over we're in good we're we're off to a good start I anyway think so yeah, they'll be
0: like well you were good to us yeah they won't hang
1: us immediately
0: <laughs> unless they're hungry then they'll, they'll think kill about us. it yeah. they'll murder us quickly like it's been an hour
1: <laughs> off with their heads
0: Sapala <laughs> so was also informed that an air delivery was still being considered but those most informed of the current state of air travel knew it was extremely unlikely
1: I do not want to be in a plane at all in 1925, Uh -uh. much less in fucking Alaska. Alaska. There's no fucking way. No, Mm -mm. thanks. I'd rather be on the dog sled.
0: Yeah, I'd rather (laughs) be the dog. Yeah, that too. By this time, Togo was 12 years old and most dogs are retired from sled service by age 10.
1: Yeah, it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, but despite his age, Togo was still more capable than most other dogs and had remained just as fit and just as eager to work. Despite Sapala's vast experience, he was slightly hesitant to go, as the trail between Nome and Nulato was one of Alaska's most hazardous. It included crossing the open ice, open ice, open ice <laughs> of the Norton Sound, which would save 42 miles, but was cold, slippery, and the ice could always crack and send the team either through the ice into mm, the frigid water Jesus. or would trap them on an ice floe drifting out to sea.
1: Uh, yeah, neither of those mm-hmm. options are fun.
0: No, no. I mean, I would take the ice flow over the. I think water, I would too. But...
1: Yes, because you're, like, because you're out to see like maybe I'll see a boat,
0: <laughs> or someone could send the boat. <laughs> yeah, something, something. One or
1: the other. Like, Versus once, just going in the water. Once you go in the water, you're gonna die. Of With hypothermia. a whole sled, like yeah. the
0: whole you're, team would be. You're pretty much dead. Yes. If that. Uh huh.
1: You got. You're likely dead if the other thing happens, but you got a chance. Yeah.
0: There's at least some <laughs> delay.
1: You're saying there's a chance. <laughs>
0: Sopala was also concerned about the well-being of his dogs, who could also suffer from cut-up paws and sure. frostbite, and who needed to be fed and rested properly. And those dogs are working so fucking uh, hard. Imagine need, all the food they need. I
1: was just going to say, the amount of calories mm-hmm. those dogs would need. Because they've got so the—they've already got the warmth. That yes. They're built for uh-huh. that. But they need the... The, yeah.
0: s- the fuel. Yes. Mm-hmm. This contrasted with the urgent nature of the situation. Sopala would have to find a balance. All dog sled mushers were well aware of the importance of taking care of their team, as without the dogs, the musher was as good as dead. Yeah. He had made the mistake of abusing his dog's willingness in a previous Alaska sweepstakes and had withdrawn when he realized the condition of the animals. After Mm. that, he prioritized them and found that with better treatment of the team, he also saw better success. And this is like PETA is not a these days, or ASPCA and stuff, you know, animal welfare is not viewed the same uh, way
1: no but in this part of the world it's obviously it's viewed with a, a high amount of importance
0: well because it's necessary mm-hmm. yeah yeah did you know that like even veganism as like a concept was only like around the mid-20th century that's not surprising I mean, around, yeah
1: I, um, I have watched the documentary of what people ate in, in the 1800s and it's, oh. it's pretty disgusting yeah <laughs>
0: like buckets of lard you
1: ate whatever somebody gave you
0: yeah yeah that's fair
1: i mean that's essentially what it came down mm-hmm. to
0: i get that and in survival situations i get it too
1: yeah and in the 1800s you were always trying to survive
0: yeah that's that's true um, unless you were unless you were like situation. a
1: plantation owner
0: yeah uh toko had been born the same year as sapala's disastrous race and benefited from his owner's change in tactics Togo and Zappala were inseparable, playing together daily, and after the dog had blossomed into a star leader, and Zappala once brought him to an eight-mile race, hitched him to the sled of a young girl in her first competition, oh. and told the dog to go to it. Zappala then headed to the finish line to wait, and Togo made a short made short order work of the course, running straight into Zappala's arms as he knelt at the finish line. <laughs> it's
1: funny, you can uh, control a male dog like you can a male human. Go out to the pretty girl.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> he, no, he... Professor. Oh. No, he went to... Uh, so, he hitched the dog to the girl's sled. The girl was oh, driving... Oh, okay,
1: yeah. okay. It was
0: back to his owner. Sure. Then he loved his owner, so... Of course. Um. By the time Sopala hitched Togo to the front of his sled to head toward... New Lotto. they had traveled nearly 55,000 miles together. That's
1: fucking crazy.
0: Despite the dog's age, Sopalo felt that he had no better chance than to make it, no better chance to make it than with Toko at the front. And Oh, wow, is that uh, the end? Part, one that's, part good, one. that's a good, that's a good It um, is.
1: It's a good setup. Yes, it's the setup.
0: tension is mounting.
1: Well, I mean, we know where the is gonna go from here. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. How if do they if they don't, how'd it
0: go? If
1: things don't work out on plan A, do they have a plan B? Right. Is there a plan C?
0: Did yeah. any puppies die? Yeah, probably is, trigger warning.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I mean,
0: did they, any people die? Any more people die? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, did um, uh, surprise. It's funny, died.
1: I was less concerned with people dying than with the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already seen people die so far. <laughs> I think it's
0: that idea that well you know like everybody i mean everybody feels bad when anybody dies right but the idea is it's sadder it feels sadder when children die because they're more helpless and it's sad when animals die because they're also dependent on us a lot of they're helpless to a certain degree domesticated animals Mm -hmm. you know Uh, well more than that they're um they help us you know they're We've created relationships with them, and they depend on. Well,
1: us. the funny thing is that that's kind of how it's always been. Human beings, since we got past the knuckle dragging era, have depended on animals for yes. all sorts of things. Uh-huh. Transportation Horses companionship. for uh-huh. yes, Works. mainly mainly uh-huh. for work mm-hmm. related things. Like uh, I am in uh, I am in Rome, modern uh, which is modern day uh, Italy. Uh-huh. I need I need to get to Spain. Horses,
0: right? Mm-hmm. That's your option. And, yeah. You know, and chariots and yeah, uh, yeah, drawn by the horses, yeah.
1: And like, as far as carrying things, camels mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. into play. And in mm-hmm. the you know, it's we we've, we've always, again, like that's why I'm kind of like more and more of like a believer in the force.
0: Hmm. Oh, like we're all one. a little Well, bit.
1: we all depend mm-hmm. on each other, and and so in yes. so many ways that we don't even fully just realize, you know. Well,
0: you know what it really is is. The circle life. It is. Yes. It's, uh,
1: it's, the, it's the light Jedi and, and mm-hmm. the gray Jedi mixed in between the dark side. There you go. The dark side is capitalism. <laughs> 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 the light side of the forest are you know people like this, the, the Inuits with their snow dogs that can do this kind of uh, work. Mm-hmm. Make all sorts of things possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Travel, uh, getting mail...
0: Getting In- life-saving medication. Infrastructure. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. So, yeah. Talk about leaning on another animal.
0: Bears. Beats. Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the circle of life. <laughs> yeah.
1: All of that was to say I'm going to get the game, the game Stray when it comes out. Oh, okay. Well, it is out. I'm going to get it.
0: <laughs> okay. That'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. Yes. <laughs>
1: I think you'll play, too. I might. Yeah. I mean, get you get to, to, be to cat. Yes.
0: Yeah. We'll see if Demetrius Zach is Zach,
1: uh, uh, our faithful listener, uh-huh. Zach, is playing it.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Yes. That'll be fun. It will be.
0: So that was part one. Uh, oops, it's not on here. What are we calling this? Shit, Nicole, the, uh... what are we calling this?
1: <laughs> Maybe it's that. No, 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 Are on the no, wrong no, no. page? I was no, going to say. No, no,
0: no. She told me. Hold okay. on. Hold on. Let me pull it up. I put it on the episodes. If it'll open. It's like, why are you making me do more than one thing? The 1925 diphtheria epidemic. Mm-hmm. Part I was going
1: to say, you did announce it in, in the beginning, I I thought. did. I yeah. think <laughs> you're
0: right. Sorry, Nicole. I <laughs> are blaming you.
1: Hey, where is it, goddammit? Nicole! <laughs> so, speaking of which, that was the 1925 Alaskan diphtheria episode. <laughs> what, did it, what, what was it? The
0: 1925 epi... <laughs> <laughs> diphtheria epidemic the 1925 diphtheria epidemic part one in alaska yes well we're not gonna put in alaska we're just gonna say
1: well it. for this one yeah
0: well we're not gonna put it in the episode okay title just saying <laughs> clearly we're not gonna record part two or we'll be no <laughs> we're, we're not gonna do well no, we're not. so we'll save that for this week we'll figure it out <laughs>
1: it'll be out <laughs> it'll be out <laughs> so once again that was another episode of all bad things I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.